0: And welcome to Air Castles, the podcast where we try to understand different cultures one topic at a time. My name is Joanna, and I'm joined by the wonderful Olivia, who is from the United States of America, and I'm an Austrian fellow here, <laughs> sitting in the beautiful heart of Austria, Vienna, like the capital heart, not like geographical heart <laughs> or biological. <laughs>
1: Thank you for clarifying that. I thought you were in the biological, You're so welcome. I was a bit confused. <laughs> like, were you in the ventricle no, no. or the artery? You know?
0: <laughs> Not there yet. Not there yet. States still have to develop like a proper body, like biological body as far as I know.
1: Hmm? Question mark?
0: <laughs> who knows what's out there already?
1: <laughs> Our knowledge is limited, so who knows really?
0: It is. That's why we're here. Because you've tuned into Air Castles, which is, I already introduced it a bit, but basically it's. Uh, so, Olivia and I, I'm gonna give a brief introduction once again, like for everyone who's tuning in and is a new listener. So, we met each other on our semester abroad in Japan. And that's why we know each other and became friends from such different cultural backgrounds and like geographical backgrounds. <laughs> and yeah and then we just started a podcast together quite randomly (laughs) and that's what you're listening to right now and we just always pick a topic and then talk about different cultural things that we associate with the topic or research connected to the topic and then we you know let all of you know what we researched in different episodes that's it
1: yep that's a (laughs) That's about it. That's what we do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and today, Olivia, what is the topic of today? Of, uh, I can't talk anymore. Of today? I mean, the people have already read it in the title of the episode, but still, enlighten us, please.
1: Now, twas the podcast before Christmas, and all through the house, not a podcaster was stirring, not even a mouse. Although, actually, as I'm thinking about it, this is literally posting on Christmas, so it's not the podcast before Christmas. Um, but we're gonna ignore that because it's cute. The end. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that sounds good. I mean, maybe we can, maybe we can make an exception and like post it on like a Wednesday. Who knows?
1: Yeah, we might do that, or like, Will we?
0: otherwise Olivia's gonna cut this out.
1: <laughs> nah we'll figure it out but I I pretend like we ever talked still, about so, it <laughs> yeah maybe we'll just post it on thursday yeah. just for the name also i'm not sure how many people will be podcasts or like listening to podcasts on christmas but then again if i post on the 24th then that's like your christmas day so that doesn't really work yeah. either oh well we'll figure it out these are things that we think about afterwards not beforehand <laughs>
0: okay so thank you olivia for reciting this
1: poem (laughs) it's a poem right (laughs) it's yeah it's a poem um i think it is a book maybe a nursery rhyme i don't know if it would count as a nursery rhyme or not but i think it's a book because that's
0: yeah that's where we took the title of the episode from like what's the original one
1: uh twas the night before christmas and all through the house not a creature was stirring not even a mouse I couldn't think of anything more clever than podcaster to replace creature.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm going to pretend like I knew that. I should have said microphone. Hmm. <laughs> um, besides this poem, what are you going to tell us today or like recite today from your research?
1: Oh, okay. Um, well, today I really wanted to talk about the gingerbread house because decorating gingerbread houses is one of my favorite traditions. Um, And so I just really wanted to like learn more about it, I guess, and its origins, because I know it's not an Mm -hmm. American, like it didn't, you know, originate in the Americas, but I actually don't know how many people still do it outside of my country. So I wanted to open and ask you, like, are gingerbread houses a thing in Austria? Do you ever decorate them? Give me the lowdown. It's
0: definitely a thing. It's not a like, it's not a like you do it every Christmas period or every Christmas, but it's like very common. And for example, I visited my friend's house a couple of days or weeks back and they had a gingerbread house. And I have another friend who's very passionate about always making gingerbread with her grandma and then decorating it. So I've done it a lot of times, but it's not one of the things I'd say, at least for my family and for me, where it's like I have to do it at least once every pre-Christmas period, but it's still like. You know, it's still very cool. Like, I'm still, I'm, I've i been constantly thinking about, you know, getting a gingerbread house. Like, the easy, like, do-it-yourself-at-home
1: yes thanks get a kit. Even though you
0: can also bake them yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. But they're very common here, I'd say.
1: Okay, so that's about the same, um, where it kind of depends on the family, on if it's a tradition or not. It's never been a tradition mm-hmm. in my family, but uh, when I was in high school, I would host Christmas parties for my friends. And we always did gingerbread Ooh. house decorating for that. So it's like something that I kind of made a tradition for myself, but I haven't done it recently. So that's one of my goals for I this year. I
0: wish I'd known you in high school <laughs> and Dude. would have been invited to one of those gingerbread Christmas house parties.
1: If there was one thing high school Olivia could do well, it was throw a good <laughs> Christmas party. It sounds so nice. Yeah. No, they were they were a good time. Um but uh but yeah, so I, but I will say, ours. So we have some family friends uh, back home, and they have an annual gingerbread decorating competition that they do. And it's, like, oh, a very heated thing for them. Cool. They, you know, two of the kids, like, the oldest daughter and the oldest very son, are usually, like, the captains of their teams. And <laughs> so usually there'll be, like, three teams, and they go all out. They spend a whole evening doing it. They may even prepare beforehand and then they put things on social media, and they're anonymous entries, and then people have, like, 24 hours. So throughout Christmas, they're no. telling their friends to vote on which house they think is better, and that's how it's decided. And they get very heated, um, and it's super fun. They've invited us to participate a few times, and it's always been a blast. That's so cool, yeah. though. So, love, I love gingerbread houses. So, We are going to now learn about them. Yay! Education! (laughs) All right. So, um, first of all, I'm going to kind of start with the uh, guessing game for you, because you know how I love to make you do that. Um, (laughs) How, like, when do you think the first known recipe for gingerbread came about?
0: Oh, no. I hate, like, time questions where it's like, (laughs) which year do you think? oh man oh dear uh um yeah welcome to a new episode of joanna embarrasses herself <laughs> on the podcast hey, because she says something if I'm... i have to no. poorly
1: pronounce all this german you have to you know put your embarrassment <laughs> in somewhere so
0: okay i'm trying to I'm, I'm trying my best uh i'd say i don't know like a thousand uh wait what was it oh my god the first I... known a- recipe A-C? do you say ac
1: um what do yeah, you but...
0: say a.d a.d yeah or i B-C. couldn't re- remember like yeah. what the phrase was like
1: or c.e. okay A-D.
0: Uh, i'd say yeah. it's confusing thousand a.d
1: okay well that's a good guess oh um, actually the first chinese recipes were developed around the 10th century so that's like 900 a.d However, Chinese. <laughs> according to this PBS article that I found, um, which actually cites it from a book called Making Gingerbread Houses by Rhonda Massingham Hart, um, according to her, the first known recipe came from Greece, ancient Greece, in 2400 BC. What? I know, which is like crazy. That's also about. surprising. <laughs> I know that it's like Greece, of all places, because nowadays, we, I don't at least... This might be me speaking in in ignorance, but I don't certainly associate gingerbread with Greece, you know.
0: Yeah, but to be fair, I don't really associate gingerbread with any nation. Because as soon as you said that, I was like, I have no idea which nation I would contribute like gingerbread to. Like, you know, which nation I would connect it to most.
1: I mean, I definitely associate ginger itself with like Asia, but I associate gingerbread with Europe. For sure, I would say. Mm-hmm. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, so as far as like, you'll find the term gingerbread in English used far like beyond, like in medieval times and things like that. But usually that meant just preserved ginger. It actually, like the term gingerbread comes from the French oh, meaning mm-hmm. preserved ginger. But it wasn't until the 15th century that in English we used the term gingerbread to mean the desserts that we are now familiar with today so nowadays gingerbread is used to describe any sort of like sweet treat that combines like ginger with usually molasses or treacle treacle i don't know how to pronounce that honey you know some sort of sweet that's not sugar typically gingerbread is i think very rarely ever used with like actual sugar so in the late middle ages Europeans developed gingerbread cookies you know hard gingerbread cookies like ginger snaps mm-hmm. and then they would gild them with like gold leaf and foil and then shape them into like animals and kings and queens apparently queen elizabeth the is credited with like the first gingerbread man because she would give them out as like gifts to her supporters they say And then, so then these gingerbread cookies became a staple at medieval fairs in, like, England and France and Holland and Germany. So for a long time, they were called fairings, quote unquote, which I think is cute. It's like, oh, have a fairing. (laughs) Sounds
0: very British. Oh,
1: let's have a fairing. Right? Very British. Um, I wonder, (laughs) I'd I'd be curious to hear, like, what, if there was, like, an old German word for them. But anyway. uh, But that's, like, gingerbread cookies, right? But we're talking about gingerbread houses. And most sources seem to claim that gingerbread houses, as a practice, uh, originated in sixteenth-century Germany, so fifteen hundreds Germany, um, and that and they probably came as like a natural kind of consequence of baking ginger snap cookies and decorating them in that way. Then they just started using them for architecture, I guess, and decorating them like that. You no, know,
0: that sounds like. Me being a five-year-old with cookies and, and just being like, I'm going to build a cookie mansion. You
1: know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It was probably that. It was just some, f- you know, f- child from the mid-1500s being like, I'm just going to stack all these gonna cookies. going to build a whole house out of cookies. Yes. A genius, really. We have much to be thankful for. Yeah. From that person. Um, however, it-, it was interesting because... Even though the 16th century Germany was a very, very consistent, I guess, number, place, origin, uh, people would say, for the gingerbread houses, they never would specifically say, like, what source there is or how we know that. Um, because largely, the uh, story of Hansel and Gretel, which um, is most popularized by the Brothers Grimm, who wrote it in 1812, that's, like, what really... Solidified gingerbread houses is like this popular practice because the witch's house is said to be made out of bread, and the the roof is made out of cake, and then the the windows are made out of sugar glass. So this idea of like a candy house, you know, really came from this Brothers Grimm Hansel and Gretel. Oh, um, now that then there's a the whole thing about like Hansel and Gretel, you know, and how that story, you know, may have come, well, probably did come long before 1812, and they say may have even started in like. The 13th century during a plague when a lot of parents were abandoning their children, kind of horrible. Anyway, <laughs> um, so you know, there's there's this kind of big gray area about you know what came first, gingerbread house or Hansel and Gretel, like is it the chicken or the egg kind of a thing because we don't know the specific origin of either.
0: Mm, that sounds like the what came first, the chick or the
1: egg. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, and then somewhere along this path of of grayness and ambiguity, um, this practice of gingerbread houses became specifically associated with Christmas. And that became the most popular time to make them. Um, It wasn't, because there's nothing about it really that's innately Christmas, but I can see how once you're starting using like, you know, candies and frosting and things like that, you know, you start associating that with indulgent times where, You know, you have a special occasion or an excuse to splurge and make something like that, which would be like Christmas because that was such a major holiday for so long. So that's kind of my theory. Um, And they Mm -hmm. were often used as window decorations or gifts. So again, like times when you decorate, times when you're giving gifts, like that's all Christmas. So it's just kind of a natural Mm -hmm. course that this became a thing that was a, a Christmas tradition. And then looking at gingerbread houses in the modern day now, at the very least in, in the U.S., and it sounds like in, in Austria and probably other places in Europe as well, it's a, it's a pretty common, huge practice. Um, there are whole companies like Wilton, I believe, is one of the largest producers of gingerbread kits in the world right now. Um, There are not only as a common practice in homes, but you can find local and even national competitions. Um, (laughs) There are even TV shows, you know, because people love like cooking competitions on TV. I, for one, have watched a gingerbread competition show this year already. um, That was pretty neat. Which kind of definitely inspired me to kind of pick this as my topic. No (laughs) lie. Um, but the biggest, at least the biggest that I could find, the biggest gingerbread house competition is the National Gingerbread House Competition that is held in the U.S. in a place called Omnigrove Park Inn. Um, it has been going on for 28 years, counting this year, and there's only a $5,000 grand prize, which is like, obviously that's a lot of money. But if you're also taking into consideration how much money people are spending In order to, you know, make these super nice gingerbread houses um, or gingerbread (laughs) creations. Because they don't necessarily have to be houses. Um, It doesn't seem like a lot, but, you know, it's fine. Um, It usually takes place around mid-November, it looks like. And then I will say there are a lot of categories. Because, so in 2019, there were 226 entries from gingerbread artists of all ages and all backgrounds. So they have four main categories of adult, teen, youth, and kids. So there are gingerbread oh, there are gingerbread creations made by, like, five-year-olds that are submitted to this competition. Uh-huh. And they're, like, good. They're, like, really good. <laughs> it makes me feel embarrassed because I'm like, wow, I couldn't make something like that. <laughs> and there was a five-year-old who did it, apparently. Um, but, yeah, so, so the, and then there will be, like, a gold so like a winner and then like a second place and a third place for each of these categories i don't know if what cash prizes happen where i don't know if like the winner of the Mm. kids competition gets five thousand dollars you know as a grand prize (laughs) i'm sure the parents would be very happy if that were true i don't know but uh, but that's that's just (laughs) a fun thing i'm glad that it's so inclusive you know that it can be it's kind of like you could do a family thing theoretically yeah um and some of the fun rules is that everything except the base must be edible, and of what's edible, 75% of it must be gingerbread. So they take the idea of, oh. you know, the gingerbread aspect of it being very, very um, prominent and serious. seriously. Yes. <laughs> and, but what's, ed- you know, the other 25% doesn't just have to be, like, gumdrops and frosting. You know, it could, you could use anything that's edible. And the judging criteria Mm -hmm. is appearance, creativity, difficulty, precision, and consistency of theme.
0: And where was it again? Like, what location?
1: It's called the Omni Grove Park Inn, which I'm realizing I didn't look up the state for. Uh, Asheville, North Carolina. But in the U.S. Yes, in the U.S. Okay. Um, And then I just wanted to divulge one more thing, which was the world's... Mm -hmm largest gingerbread house according to the guinness book of world
0: oh Records. my god
1: yeah it's pretty intense man all right so yes the so the largest gingerbread house in the world as of right now was built near houston texas so in the u.s in 2013 oh at first i was surprised that no one's you know one-upped it in seven years but at the same time once i learned like how extensive this house was i was like yeah i can see why no one else would do this (laughs) although it's the previous holder was in the it was a gingerbread house in the mall of america and that was only in 2012 so they had like these people immediately one-upped the mall of america um it was built by the traditions club near texas a&m university and it was basically a charity event uh to help raise money for a trauma center near a regional hospital nearby i'm assuming that they built it and then they probably charged people to go inside because this is like a a life-size house like a a Mm -hmm. house you can walk in wow yes wow so it was two thousand five hundred twenty square feet just two hundred and thirty square meters, about. So. Two hundred
0: and thirty.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That's bigger than like conventional houses here. I'd say.
1: For reference, it's wow. nearly the size of a tennis court. So. I mean, I don't know. When I first heard that, I was like, oh, that's not big. But then I was thinking about it. And I was thinking about a house that size. And I'm like, oh, no, that's, that's sizable. That's quite sizable.
0: Yeah, yeah, because a house that size is really big.
1: And also, it was 21 feet high. So 6 meters high. Over 6 meters, like
0: 6.5. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. So it's tall. It's tall. Um, <laughs> what I think is hilarious, it's 35.8 million calories. You would <laughs> never, ever, ever want to eat this. The calories. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So <laughs> I liked it because the the article I was reading about this was like, the recipe is simple. All you need is 1,800 pounds of butter or 820 kilograms of butter. I'm going to say the kilograms oh, first. 1,327 kilograms of brown sugar or 2,925 oh, pounds. 7,200 eggs 3,266 kilograms of all-purpose flour or 7,200 pounds of of flour. I can't speak. It's fine. And then 31 kilograms or 1,080 ounces of ground ginger among other ingredients. So that's for the record, a, a ton is a uh, kind of a larger term, measurement of weight that we use in the U.S. and that's two thousand pounds. So they use just short of a ton of butter. That's like a semi, just made of butter. Insane. That's incredible. Right. And they did, and they did this. But s-
0: <laughs> so is it? But it's on the outside, right? Like it isn't protected no, from yeah. the weather. No, yeah. They in actually talked
1: about how like it it held up surprisingly surprisingly well in weather, like it withstood storms mm. and heat and things like oh. that. Yeah, the only unexpected problem was the bees. It attracted a lot of bees and then the bees oh. would seem to like get drunk because of all the sugar. Yeah. Wow. So there's uh there's gingerbread houses, man. It's a wonderful practice. <gasps> done around the world
0: very extensive history yeah wow uh,
1: when when people I think the number one thing is like when people do gingerbread houses they go hard
0: they go hard
1: they do it's not something you have Uh, yeah
0: Yeah, I think it's when the competitive spirit awakens in a lot of people
1: yeah no I mean other lesson we will literally make anything into a competition (laughs) yes (laughs)
0: pretty much i'm so surprised first of all thank you so much for researching this but i'm so surprised at how many like things there were to research you know yeah like yeah how many people thought like oh i'm gonna see like where gingerbread originated
1: well i like it because i would have
0: never thought of that
1: the history of gingerbread is very much tied with the history of ginger and then you get into a whole thing mm-hmm. with, like, who used ginger and for what uses and things like that. And that's, like, yeah. really interesting to me. Um, so I like that it's, you know, it, it involves all of that. But then it involves, like, fairy tales and literature and mm. those intersecting and religion with the holiday. And Anyway, it's just pretty neat. <laughs> but I am really excited to hear what you have because I have no idea what you have planned and uh the anticipation is slowly killing me
0: <laughs> is it <laughs> yep <laughs> well then I'm, I'm gonna i'm not gonna torture you any longer okay. so i think i have a question beforehand but i think you already know the answer because i think you mentioned it multiple times already Oh, okay. you did study spanish in high school right
1: yes for two years
0: yeah so did you learn anything about spanish christmas like is that a part of the Spanish lessons you took? Like, do people teach you that?
1: Yeah, we did. Um, I remember, because I learned it on and off throughout elementary school as well. And I remember learning about okay. it more in elementary school than in high school. But, like, we learned that, like, Santa Claus is Papa Noel. Um, during some early, like, Christmas concerts for the school, we would sing. We would sing Silent Night in... um. In Spanish Noche de Paz but uh, other than that I don't remember I don't remember much about like different practices or different foods that they would eat or it wasn't and it wasn't anything in depth no
0: that's very good because I'm gonna teach you about it today because Spain and uh, <laughs> Spain and Christmas Christmas in Spain <laughs> is quite different to I guess I, I dare say the rest of Europe maybe Because, okay, I can't spoil it too much. But basically, I'm just (laughs) going to run you through like Christmas when you're in Spain during the Christmas period. So it all starts on December 8th, which is the the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And Ah, that's basically, I just read a source where they just stated that that's pretty much when the Christmas period begins.
1: Okay. You know, when the season starts, probably
0: kicks off. Do you think so? I think in Austria it starts like at the first Advent uh, Sunday. So that's that's usually early. This year was at the end of November.
1: No, you're right. You're right. Because we also start, I guess, because if you consider it pre Christmas, like Christmas season. Yeah, that's
0: like when the Christmas season kicks off in Spain.
1: Yes. Okay. Got it.
0: And so there are a couple of things and I think it's so cool because I had Spanish for one and a half years in university and our teacher was so cool and she taught us like so many like funny traditions which I remembered because those are the things you remember you know and I had like and I looked through the sources and then I had like multiple sources and I was like no but I'm looking for this particular tradition and then I like looked it up again and it was just I just realized how cool like she created our our like course load and our course schedule around like picking the coolest stuff and like teaching us only the coolest stuff but also the basic stuff because i had such a not not a hard time but like it wasn't that easy to find it all in one source you know for example so the cool things of spanish christmas time the so after december 8th what happens a lot is so there's a big 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 christmas lottery in spain which is supposed to be like the largest lottery in the world because the prize money goes upwards to 2 billion euro each year which is about 2.5 billion us dollar and that's like a huge deal when it's christmas time in spain because they have it every year and it's called El Gordo, I hope I pronounced that right. And it's basically, it, it's called the fat one, <laughs> uh, which is a reference to the big prize.
1: Love that.
0: And three out of four Spanish people buy a ticket every year. Because it's just, you know, how can you not? And like, you can see... Wait. Yeah.
1: Repeat that? Four out of...
0: Uh, three out of four Spanish people so buy a ticket each year. Oh so like when you meet four... Spanish people, three will have bought a ticket.
1: That's crazy. I would have never yeah. guessed that it was that popular, like that common to participate no, it's like in this.
0: It's very common because everyone knows about it. And then, I mean, if you think of it, if we had this in Austria and of, with such a huge price, everyone would also be like, you know, I'm going to try my luck. It's only one ticket, you know, or multiple tickets. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's what a lot of Spanish people do. And they draw the winners on December 22nd. So it's the same each year. And then like to go chronologically after the 22nd. When you know the winner has been announced or the winners. And then there's Christmas Eve which is Nacho Buena. And there you just have food. And some people get a couple of presents on Christmas Eve already. But not really. And yeah so it's just... They do celebrate it, but it's more like a mass and and like going to the mass afterwards and having food. Mm -hmm. But it's not like the major, major celebration. We're going to get to that later. But also what's also kind of a fun fact is that the Midnight Mass in Spain is called La Misa del Gallo. (laughs) Once again, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Mm -hmm. And it's the mass of the rooster. Because the legend has it that the rooster has crowds in the night that Jesus was born. And that's why it's called, like, that's why the Mass is named after the rooster.
1: Oh, okay. I get it.
0: Mm. So, and after the 24th, the next step in, like, the December of Spanish people is the December 28th. Which is Dia de los Santos Inocentes. And that's the Day of the Innocent Saints. And that's also, like, very special once again in Spain because it's like April Fool's Fool's Day in the rest of the world. That's the 28th of December for them.
1: Oh, okay. That's kind of funny because it's the Day of the Innocents and they're, like, playing tricks on each other. Yeah,
0: that's true. And the thing is, like, and it's, it's pretty much the same, you know, as April Fool's, like, you know, sometimes nude broadcasters make jokes or, like, come up with, like, very funny stories, like... Newspapers, for example, like to a certain extent or like people try to trick each other. And the thing is, if you trick someone and like if you succeeded in tricking someone on that day, on December 28th, you can say uh, you can call them innocente, innocente, which means innocent, innocent, you know. Oh right. And it's just so cute, I think. (laughs) Innocent is a much nicer word than I think other words you could use. Exactly.
1: For like, oh, you fell for it, you know. (laughs)
0: yeah and so after December 28th you know soon it's gonna be New Year so a funny tradition I found out for New Year's is so first of all New Year in cold is uh, in Spanish is called Noche Vieja which is the old night Noche Vieja I still remember that Vieja was old from Spanish class I was quite (laughs) proud (laughs) and Noche of course And there a tradition is that you eat 12 grapes with the strokes, with the 12 strokes off the clock at midnight. And that, you know, tries to symbolize or or is supposed to bring you good luck for the next, for the coming 12 months of the year.
1: Wait, so for the strokes, is that like when a grandfather clock chimes, you know, and then it chimes 12 times for 12 o'clock? Like, would you eat a grape? That's what
0: I ask myself. Like whether they have to shove in all the 12 grapes. It looks like 12 strokes. Because
1: I cannot. You can't eat a grape that quickly. So you really are just like.
0: No, I don't think. I think maybe you just put it into the mouth, you know, and then just. Oh, that's funny. Know, but that's literally what I ask myself as well. I wasn't able to find the answer, though.
1: Oh, gosh. What is the game? There's a game that's popular here. I've never played it. But you're basically supposed to stuff your mouth with like marshmallows.
0: Oh oh chubby bunny. Yeah, chubby
1: bunny. That's it. (laughs) It's like chubby bunny, but with grapes and New Year's.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And yeah, and after that we came we come to the major like event of Christmas period in Spain. And that's in the new year already. That's in January already, because, you know, up until this date, the children haven't really received a lot of presents yet. So they they still get presents. But in Spain, they get their presents on January 6th, which is Epiphany. Oh,
1: yes.
0: Or Fiesta de los Tres Reyes Majes, which is Festival of the Three Magic Kings. And if you're Christian, you know, you know that... When Jesus was born, three kings visited him, bearing gifts. And that's what's celebrated on the 6th of January. And that's also the day when the children in Spain get their presents. And I know about what you said with um, the Spanish Santa Claus. But what I also read is that on this day, you know, the kings, the three kings are supposed to bring the presents, actually. Um that the children are going to open on that day, which oh, okay. is usually the most amount of presents. So the children also write letters to the, to the kings, you know, what they wish for. And it reminds me a bit of, like, the American tradition because on Epiphany Eve, which is, you know, the evening of the 5th of January, mm-hmm. they leave of, out shoes on the windowsills oh, or on balconies or is. under the Christmas tree. And then the next morning, they're going to be filled with presents. And what's also quite similar to, you know, leaving cookies out for Santa is that they leave out, uh, for example, Satsumas or walnuts for the kings on, on the day before. And sometimes, which I, I thought was so funny, sometimes they even leave out a bucket of water for the camels that bring the kids, uh, the yes. kings, not the kids.
1: Yes. Because <laughs> sometimes I would leave out carrots for the reindeer. Really? Yeah, that was always like an idea. I think my my parents would come <sighs> How up with. Cute, right? I love that.
0: Think How about the animals, cute.
1: man. Good lessons yeah. being taught.
0: <laughs> and another really surprising and funny thing I read was that you know there's pretty much always the, you know, if you were a bad child, then you're gonna receive this instead of presents, you know, and so in this. Web, on this website I read, and this website I think was very reliable probably because they also had, uh, I checked it, I double checked it because they had a section of like Christmas in Austria and that was pretty true. And like, you know, when you read stuff and you're like, right, we do that, but you never realize that that's so special if you do that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that website was pretty good on that part. So I think it's probably quite true for the spanish things as well because there were so many like specific austrian things where i was where i just thought to myself you need to be austrian to know about that so anyway so when children are bad in spain they get like the kings might leave pieces of coal made out of sugar in the presence and i think it's so interesting that it's pieces of coal but made out of sugar you know so it's kind of still a treat you know
1: right (laughs)
0: It's still very nice, I think. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like an indicator. Like, oh, you've been bad, but like you're still not going to get rotten t- uh, potatoes like with the Yule lads in Iceland, which we covered <laughs> in right. Iceland episodes.
1: Oh my gosh. You know, I'll be honest. Okay, so ranking from worst bad naughty list punishment to best naughty list punishment, rotten potatoes is definitely worst. Then I'd say normal kill. And then like, <laughs> candy coal is like not
0: that bad yeah yeah and i did also look it up again like on this website with like christmas in iceland and there was written once again because the last time when we talked about this i was like i'm not too sure whether it's always rotten potatoes but apparently it is like it's very (laughs) common that it's literally rotten potatoes if you've been bad (laughs) Yeah, and so the last thing which is also, which we talked about a lot in Spanish class is that it's, oh my God, pronunciation. I'm more insecure about like pronouncing it wrongly than like actually, do you know what I mean? Yeah, oh, 100%. It's it's gonna be fine, but like still, yeah. Roscon de Reyes. De Reyes. I don't know. It's basically a ring-shaped cake of the kings. That's what it means translated. And So the thing is, you usually eat it on the morning of the 6th of January, so an Mm -hmm. epiphany. And it's kind of like, yeah, once again, a ring-shaped cake. And it's usually cut in half long ways. So like you have a bottom part and a top part and the middle is filled with, you know, whipped cream or other sweet fillings. That's like usually there's a filling, you know. But the most important thing of the Roscon de Reyes is that there are things hidden inside the cake. And so what I our Spanish teacher, teacher also, you know, told us is that there's usually also when you buy it, because most people buy it because it's quite difficult to make. Oh, yeah. So you get a paper crown on top of it. And then, you know, everyone gets a piece of the cake. And so there are... Le- There are at least two objects in the cake, which is one black bean and usually like a figure that represents the king, you know, like a small king figure, sometimes made of plastic. I don't even know like what it's made of, but I heard of plastic. And then like depending on who gets the black bean, that means that they need to pay for the cake and whoever gets the king figure in their piece of cake... They get to be, you know, the king of the day, the king for the day, and get to wear the paper crown, which is so cute, I think.
1: I feel like I remember Estella telling me something like this. like this. Estella but I, did. I, I think so, but I also might just be conflating it because we have a similar tradition in the States, um, specifically oh. in New Orleans, the city, because New Orleans is the place where Mardi Gras is really big. And they have this thing called king cake, but, and it's a similar type of thing where there's a thing hidden inside, but instead of a king, it's a little plastic baby. And whoever gets the baby in the slice, I think gets to be like the king of the day, but then they also have to be the one to buy the king cake next year. So it's like combining the king and the black bean together.
0: That sounds really interesting.
1: Right. So I might just be thinking of that and thinking, oh, that sounds familiar. But I do do feel like Estella told me about this.
0: I do think we we talked about it in in Japan. I wanted to say in Spain, (laughs) but we've never been to Spain. (laughs) If only. Someday. No, I think think we did talk about it. We talked about different traditions. Might be. Or I'm confusing it with my Spanish lecture. (laughs) Either way, (laughs) it is how it is and that's pretty much already like my introduction to spanish christmas and now before or let's do plugs before like if every anyone wants to reach out to us you can reach out to us on aircastlespodcast at gmail.com or on twitter under the handle at aircastlespod and we would also really appreciate it if you could, you know, tell your friends about our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes. No, Apple Podcasts. That's what it's called. <laughs> Apple <laughs> Podcasts or Spotify. I don't think you can leave a review on Spotify, but like share it with friends, please. It will be very much appreciated. And today, if you've been here, you know, if you've listened to our podcast a couple of times, usually we end this episode or every episode with German with Joanna, where I introduce you to a German phrase of the day. But this time we decided to change it a bit for our Christmas episode Woo! and give each other a small Christmas trivia. So, Olivia, do you, do you want to start? Do you want to...
1: Yes, um, we can just alternate you? where we just question, question. Sounds you know. good. Okay. <laughs> um, now, I will preface this because I don't want this to be, like, unfair because um, I took... A lot of these questions (laughs) from Christmas quizzes that I've made for aforementioned Christmas parties that I held for my friends. Oh. How familiar are you? Most of them are, are foreign anyway, so I don't think it'll make a difference. But how familiar are you with like English Christmas songs? Songs?
0: Very unfamiliar.
1: Very unfamiliar. Okay. Like
0: English or like the language English or British?
1: Like English, the language, like American. Oh
0: oh quite quite all right i think i I, it was just like specifically british no (laughs) go ahead we're we're gonna have to wait and see (laughs)
1: okay so this is a multiple choice question what is the best-selling christmas song of all time white christmas have yourself a merry little christmas all i want for christmas is you or the christmas song
0: of course, I know them. I'm I'm thinking. I'm I'm debating between "All I Want for Christmas Is You" and what was the second
1: one? Question ha- B. Have yourself a merry little Christmas.
0: Yeah, mm, I think I heard that it was all, all I w- uh, all I want for Christmas is you. Even though it's like a very pop song and like a very, I mean, not not recent recent, but like, do you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not that compared to other Christmas songs, it's I- very young. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think it is.
1: Okay, so that's your final answer? Best selling song
0: ever, right?
1: Yeah, Christmas song.
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to stay with that. I, I, I think I heard it somewhere, but I think it's, it's, I think it was more of like, that's the most famous one right now. Mm-hmm. But please enlighten me.
1: <laughs> that is always the guess I guess, but it's actually White Christmas. Specifically oh, by Bing Crosby mm-hmm. because of the movie and everything like that
0: which movie
1: there's a movie called white christmas with bing crosby in it and i think that's where the song originated
0: oh okay Mm -hmm.
1: i see i see there you go
0: well my questions are a bit unfair unfair and a different level (laughs) because you probably like i because you offered me i could like Do them based on Austria, you know, and our Christmas traditions. And I thought that would be really nice to enlighten our listeners. However, I think you know a lot about this already because we talk about different traditions and like how we grew up a lot of the time. So you're going to know a lot of this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Okay. So Olivia, on which day at which time of the day do we celebrate Christmas? Like is our main Christmas celebration in Austria and when do children Get their, presents. get their presents.
1: Okay. Well, it's definitely December twenty fourth. Correct. <laughs> for time of day, I'm thinking it's like the evening slash night of December twenty fourth is when you get the presents and open them. So that's gonna be my guess. Once again,
0: correct. Yeah, it's pretty much. It's usually like, uh. So usually for my family, and I think it's quite common. You you know have dinner together at like five pm or something like that. Okay and then like start at 4 p.m. preparing it together yeah and after that it's present time and then you know however long it takes right
1: to open the presents got it okay new question for you uh this is to all you ukrainians out there what do traditional (laughs) ukrainians put on their christmas tree for good luck Uh, your options are feathers a pickle a bird's nest or a spider web
0: I think I know that.
1: Which which one? <laughs> is it a pickle? No! That is no? a different
0: tradition that a lot of Americans uh, do. I think Because it's... I, I stumbled... No, no, you go. Yeah, no, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I just read somewhere. I was like, the pickle for Christmas on one of my like websites I was on for researching this topic. And that was the only one I could remember. And so I was like, I read something about a pickle on a Christmas tree. Okay. What is it in, in uh the Ukraine? Ukraine?
1: Yes. Yeah. It is a spider web. Which I don't a really know web. how they do that, but yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that sounds really cool, like right? very unique.
1: <laughs> kinda like Halloweeny.
0: <laughs> yeah, true. True. Um, okay. Ready for my second question? So we have ready. three questions, by the way. Yes. So who brings the presents in Austria?
1: Oh, the Christ child.
0: Yeah, and that's, my friends, that's specifically in Austria, because like in the northern part of Germany, it's a lot more common that Santa Claus actually is coming to bring the cre- presents. But like in the southern parts of Germany and specifically in all of Austria, the Christ child brings the presents and the Christ child is Jesus, young, freshly born, not freshly born, <laughs> but like young Jesus. Fresh out of the womb, <laughs>
1: newly minted Fresh Jesus. out of the womb.
0: And he's supposed to look like, you know, golden hair, um, angel's wings, and dressed in white and flies from house to house. That's wow. the Austrian tradition. We don't have Santa Claus here. I wish I not could describe yet. to you Even how though, funny
1: that is for me to imagine. Just, like, this little baby, like, flying at the speed of light.
0: (laughs) It's usually, like, a child, people imagine. It's not a baby. (laughs) But it's supposed to be young Jesus.
1: I love that.
0: And, yeah, so, yeah, we don't have Santa Claus. The thing is, though, you do notice the difference of, like, you know how a lot of products from America and even from Germany are coming to Austria, obviously, because we're a small country and we import a lot. And so there are a lot of, like santa themed things you can buy but i think every child still knows that it's the christ child that's christkind in german christkind christ child that brings the presents yeah beautiful let's see how it is in 20 years time (laughs) who knows
1: it's like i feel like oh i listened to the 23rd episode of Air Castle, so i know the answers to these questions wink like if you didn't (laughs) listen to last episode you're gonna be much more lost than if you did (laughs)
0: true but no that's that's what the questions are for to enlighten everyone all right
1: my last question is when does the russian orthodox church celebrate christmas december 26th december 30th january 6th or january
0: 7th i'm gonna say january 6th
1: it's a very good guess especially because of spain which yeah. i did not know you mm-hmm. were talking about obviously before i and i uh chose this question so it worked even more but it's actually january 7th
0: <laughs> oh that would have been my second guess just because it was so random <laughs> right yeah i don't i
1: That's don't exactly remember why because it's again been a long time since i uh grabbed these questions it's fine. but it probably has to do with something around epiphany i'm gonna guess
0: mm, probably and so the third question, you don't know, Olivia, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Oh, but I think, I think I did mention it once, but I hope that you don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so gosh. It's, it's, a, it's a couple of questions in one. So we know about the Christ child already. So how does the Christ child enter the house? How does it like, because the Christ child also decorates the tree, and how does it, after the meal, after the family is taking the meal, how does the Christ child let the people know that the tree is ready and that the children can stop waiting and, you know, go barge into the, to the other room? Like, what's the signal for oh. it? And how does it enter those two questions?
1: Oh, you have 100% not <laughs> told me this. Or if you did, it wasn't in the last episode. because. I <laughs> no,
0: it know wasn't that. in the last episode um, for sure. Oh,
1: gosh. Okay. Well... I have a feeling it's not the chimney, but I also have a feeling it's not the front door. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to guess, like, the window. Like, you have to open a window or something to make sure the Christ child is able to be let in. Kind of like how during the Seder meal, you have to have the door open for Elijah to come in. I'm going to guess something like that. I don't know if it has to be a specific window. But I'm just going to say window and hope that works. <laughs> and then as far as how the Christ child communicates to tell people, <laughs> um, I mean, I want to say like knocks, like knocks on the wall or knocks on the door or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a very specific code <laughs> where it has to be like, mm-hmm. oh, it's three knocks. You know, and then that's like the sign. I don't know if it's something Morse like code. That. Yeah, Morse code. You can, like, come. I don't know if you have to establish a secret code with the Christ child beforehand, where if it's like, then it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> that's the sign. That's, that's the signal. Um, but I'm going to say, I'm trying to think if there's any other possibilities. Because um, if it was a call, then it'd be obvious who was calling, I feel like. Maybe like a, a recording of a baby crying. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> Cries. Or like they play Christmas music. I don't know. None of those really make sense. I'm trying to think about how a parent would ready do this. For... Right? So I'm going to say knocks. Like knocks <laughs> on the wall or knocks on the door. What
0: do you mean parent? It's the Christ child that does it.
1: Yeah, you're right. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Um, but yes, that's going to be my guess.
0: The parents just sometimes help the Christ child, like getting ready. But obviously the Christ child does all of it so the answer is it usually comes in through the window but it's not like it's it's not like a thing where you like it's not very present where it's like you have to leave a window open okay. it's like yeah it comes through windows but it's not like oh you need to remember to leave the window open but it's like that's how it it's comes the in the christ and child
1: he can just phase through matter it doesn't matter
0: yeah kind of as well like you don't really like it's not that much talked about Mm. but the thing is how does it make you make itself noticed in terms of that it's done also which needs to be mentioned no one ever sees the christ child for anyone who doesn't know it's not like santa that you meet like you never really see him it's always it's it's kind of like the easter bunny so the christ child rings a bell that's how you know
1: oh in the other room and as soon as the bell is
0: ringing you're like
1: oh i can go yeah oh i should have thought of that oh that's a good one
0: (laughs) right and then you you enter and then usually you know all the candles are lit on the christmas tree and you see the presents and the tree for the first time and yeah that's that
1: okay so i have a question go ahead so you put candles on your tree that's the thing yes how is that not a fire hazard do like,
0: you not do that in the U.S.?
1: No. Like, I'll see it on TV and stuff, and maybe some people do it, but it is not a common practice. You'll just do electric lights. No, it's very common here. Do you just have to be really careful?
0: Yeah, you have to be careful. You have to be around, and obviously, like, you only light it when people are there. And they're, you know, like, they're clip-on candles, and they're very long and thin, and they're specifically made for the Christmas tea, like, a tree, like, to clip onto branches.
1: Okay. Interesting. But I think
0: maybe fewer people do it nowadays because it's so dangerous, but we always do it, pretty much.
1: I love that. It's something that I've always thought was very pretty, seeing the, the like, instead <laughs> of... I mean, I'm a sucker for just like multicolored lights on a Christmas tree because that's what I grew up with. Yeah. So of course, you know, you're biased towards what you know, but like the, you know, the natural candlelight on the Christmas tree. Mm. Ugh. Oh, it's beautiful. I love, <laughs> I love Christmas. Ah! Okay, anyway. Great,
0: then I guess that's a wrap for this episode. (laughs) And thank you so much for listening. That's a wrap. Oh, (laughs) that was unintentional. But yeah, that's a wrap. But (laughs) thank you so much for listening. We hope all of you have enjoyed a beautiful Christmas or will enjoy a beautiful Christmas wherever you live, whenever you listen to this. We hope you had a great time. And yeah, we wish you a great Christmas and Christmas period. Even though, like, whether you celebrate it or not, we just hope you have had a lovely December or yeah. January or any other t- month of the year. And we're gonna say tschüss on bis bald! My mom was so mean when I was a child. Like, not not mean, but like, she was good at making me keep believing into the Christ child. Because my mom used to be like, Do Oh my god, come to the kitchen right now! I just saw the Christ child fly by! And I would run (laughs) as if I was chased... Campus, you know, like oh I was chased by the devil, like, where is it? And she's, she would be like in the kitchen already. And she would be like, come, come, come by, come by. I can, I can still see it. And then she's like, there, 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 right around the corner. And I'm like, where, where, where? And she would be like, oh no, it's you just missed it. And I was like, didn't you see it? And I was like, no, I missed it. And she used to do that a couple of times when she could sense that I was, you know, losing faith into the Christ child. <laughs> and it was so well executed like her whole like game but it literally made me believe more into it and it took me so long like even after i realized that the christ child was fake like how smart she was to do that and be like did you not see it i just saw it like it was just right around the corner (laughs) and me being like no i think i saw maybe a bit of white (laughs) you know imaginary and like imagining stuff (laughs)
1: Well played, Joanna's mom. Well played.